group. Hello, and welcome to Cracking Open a Cold Case. And other true crimes. I'm here with Carson Knoth. Is that how you say it? That's correct. And he's going to talk about North Korea. Also, what are you drinking? Oh, uh, I have a bottle of Evian, and I have a cup of Dr. Pepper. So I'm double fisting for this episode. Good, good. Overachieving. Already. How about yourself? I'm drinking a Diet Coke with lemon in a 44-ounce cup. Classic. I just wanted to hold it up for you. But yeah, okay. Yeah, North Korea expert. Are you officially a North Korean expert? or? I don't know if I'd officially call myself a North Korean expert, but there are very few people, I think, that know as much as I do or have experienced as much as I have. So unofficially a North Korean expert. Okay, great. Well, so you went on an LDS mission there, right? To South Korea. To, oh, yes, yes. You can't go there on a, on a mission. Correct. I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you'd get maimed or something. But anyway, uh, oh, yeah, they hate. I'll let you elaborate on this. Don't they, like, dislike people that have a Bible or something? Like, uh, they religious them... affiliation is highly discouraged, and like, proselytization is outlawed. Because the religion of North Korea is the religion of the state, which is they look to their leaders as being gods. Okay. Also, something I want to bring up while it's even on my mind that I recently learned while I was looking at Wikipedia at my job is that Kim Jong... Wait, what's the one in the middle? Kim Jong-il? Yeah. Apparently, all the North Koreans believe that his first round of golf, he got five holes in one. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a common belief. Yeah. Everyone I I told that that plays golf was like, yeah, obviously, I know that fact already. And I was like, (laughs) wow, okay. Didn't know that. He's the world's greatest golfer. Well, I like that factoid because it's like the most inconsequential. You know, like, if he hadn't done that, they'd still respect him, but I guess. Yeah, I mean, but... Since he definitely did it, that's great. He definitely did it. Yeah, anyway, sorry. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, the... So, why don't I just give you a little bit of background on how I got into North Korea and, you know, obviously how this whole thing has sort of exploded over the past couple of years. So, I, like you said, I served an LDS mission in South Korea from like 2005 to 2007. And so I was completely enamored with like the thought of going to North Korea because it was so interesting that it's basically the same people just separated by an arbitrary line and... They live completely two separate lives in two separate worlds, almost. I don't know if you've seen the picture, the satellite picture of South Korea and North Korea, like, at night. No, I need to Google okay. it right now. It is fantastic. It's like you see South Korea 100%, like, lit up so bright, and North Korea is, like, completely pitched. And so, for me, I was like, oh, okay, I saw that. Someone showed me that picture. I was like, that is incredible. Like, it shows... Is this yeah. the right one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. At night, there's, like, no... There's no lights there. There's such a lack of uh, electricity going on. Obviously, so it shows the disparity that exists between North and South Korea. Wow, okay. Yeah, I think, obviously, I don't have as much North Korean experience as you, but I just think it's really interesting that something this primitive exists still, and, like, yeah, every, it's just going and no one's doing anything, like... Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're basically stepping back in time to, like, the 19... 19- Oh, like 1960s? Like, I, I always, when I went there, I was like, this is like 1960s East Germany. That's sort of what I thought. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, uh, there's sophistication around, but, you know, extremely primitive. But anyway, so the first, like, interesting thing, like, tidbit I ever heard about North Korea was um, there was a professor that we were teaching English to in North Korea, or in South Korea during my mission, and 
he gave me his theory on North Korea. And he said that his theory was, and that he had talked to a lot of people, was that North Korea was able to exist continuously because the U.S. and China both allowed North Korea to exist. And I said, okay, well, obviously, you know, what does that mean? He's like, if North Korea, you know, if the U.S. didn't want North Korea to exist, they wouldn't. Like, they would go and conquer them and tear down the wall, and that's that. And I said, then why do they exist? And um, this is right after North Korea had really first tested their first nuclear weapon as well. And so there was a lot of, like, uh, information coming out about, like, okay, well, they just tested a nuke. Why do they need nuclear weapons? Blah, 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 blah. And so his theory was that because the Japanese have continuously been the aggressors in Asia, so every single time there's been like a downturn in the Japanese economy, wave of nationalism comes in in which the Japanese, they start expanding outward. And so that North Korea acts as a buffer against the Japanese because North Koreans hate the Americans or the American imperialists the most, but the only person they hate more than Americans are Japanese. And so they exist as this like wild card in the region in order to keep every thing in check. So that was the first interesting thing I ever heard about North Korea. Oh, that is, I didn't even like <laughs> think to broach that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was, no, that's really interesting. I, yeah. But. So like hearing that, I was like, oh, this place is crazy. Like why, why would it exist like that? And so sort of planted all these seeds in my mind, like, okay, I got to get to North Korea somehow. So before that, it wasn't like on your radar, really? I mean, it was, it was interesting, right? You know, it existed, but it wasn't someplace where I was like, oh, I got to, I got to go there. I want to check it out. But uh, um, after that, I was like, this place is so bizarre. Like, I need to see what it's all about. Okay, wow. So I heard that you had to sing the national anthem. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I had an opportunity to go to North Korea. So I I have a really close friend. Um, His name's Jimmy Dushku. And he is the only person followed by the governor of North Korea on Twitter. Oh, yeah, you linked him to me. Wait, do we know why? There's not a good reason, I don't think. Just for some reason they've identified him as a friend of the North Korean people. Dushku? Yeah, Dushku. He has an official website, wow. Yeah, if you look up any news articles, it's literally just him being quizzed about North Korea or talked about. And did he have, like, an affiliation to them? So like, there's before? there's, like, this weird Spanish guy who acts as a some sort of like almost goodwill ambassador for the North Korean people he's he's very weird and anyway he he like has linked up with him and was like listen I'll get you an official invite to the country of North Korea uh, you guys can come and be guests of the government blah 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 and uh, so Jimmy knows that I speak Korean and that I have always had an interest in going so uh, you know he invited me he's like we should do this let's let's go so in 2014 we signed up to go to North Korea and we uh, like had an invite Jimmy actually ended up not being able to go because he had a family emergency so I went with another friend of mine an attorney he, he actually was a former delegate to the United Nations so I was like I was like oh that's probably like the best person I could take with me just because he has some of the political ties. So everything, geez, it's all rolling into place. Yes. (laughs) So continuing down that path of being like, okay, how am I going to make sure this is like the most safe and like acceptable trip for me to go on? Uh, My wife was like a little concerned. And I guess it probably stems from, I probably should have covered this in the beginning. So we have a, like my mom grew up in Nebraska with this family called the Sneddons. And uh, they had a lot of kids like 12, how many kids do they have? Like 12 or 13? 
12 kids, right? 12 kids, I think. So they had a lot of kids, but one of their kids had gone to Korea on his mission and spoke Korean, and he was in China for a summer learning Chinese, and he disappeared in China, like in 2004, in the Yunnan province, and uh, Chinese police said that he was killed or, you know, he had died someplace. I think that what I read was that he was, like, on a trail and he fell to his death somewhere. Yeah, and- I think that's what they were trying to report, I believe. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I mean, not that it's... I think it's real for sure, but that's just (laughs) what I read. Yeah, and so so his family's like, oh, okay, well, we better go try to find his body and bring it home or whatever. So when they got there, they started to realize that all of the official story was not accurate, even in the least. They weren't able to verify any information. They weren't able to get anything um, really truthful out of the Chinese and... What they came to realize is that he had been speaking Korean to some believed to be North Korean agents there, and that he just disappeared one one day, and they believe that he was kidnapped by North Korea and taken to North Korea. So, and if you know anything about North Korea's history, is that they have a long history of kidnapping Korean, South Koreans, and Japanese for different purposes they'd kidnap Japanese sailors and you know from the sea to bring them and teach Japanese to their special forces or agents just in case they had to you know attack Japan or do some sort of sabotage they kidnapped South Korean movie director and his like actress wife to make movies because Kim Jong-il loved movies like there's just been a lot of interesting things and so they haven't usually been as bold to kidnap Americans but the belief is they kidnapped David because he was in China and alone and anonymous and it was a much easier situation it's not like they came into the u.s and kidnapped him yeah and it, i mean if you don't know a lot about it it sounds like it you kind of like it sounds like it was pulled out of thin air but there's like several things to back you up i'm just saying for anyone oh, if they yeah. didn't if they haven't looked anything up about it like like you just barely showed me that fox news clip where the guy was like where maybe they should release him because they released those other three people but yeah they he they believe he teaches english yeah, um, they believe that, you know, he's been in North Korea this past, since 2004, so 14 years or something like that. And uh, he was an English teacher. There's different reports, like, he actually teaches English to Kim Jong-un, because Kim Jong-un speaks English very well. Uh, he also went to school in Switzerland, or Austria, I can't remember. Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. And uh, so he he speaks multiple languages, but they believe he's, like, more of, like, a cultural English tutor, and he taught... English to some high-ranking people. Uh, They say he's married with children, you know, with a North Korean woman. So it's definitely an interesting situation in which North Korea has never admitted to taking him, but there are reports that say he is there, both from people that have said they've seen him or high-level people that have defected and said, oh, yeah, there's definitely someone that matches that description within the North Korean, like, high levels of... Yeah, he probably sticks out. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there aren't that many white people there, surprisingly, you know. Yeah. Well, how I even came to find... Oh, my gosh, sorry. I was just kind of skipping around. I was just thinking about it. I was like, how did I even know that he went to North Korea? But it was because I started reading stuff on it, and I, w- like, was posting random stuff online, just a- as one does. Correct. And, yeah, and you replied and said that, like... Because I, th- I heard that they can't drink Coke there. They don't have real Coke or something. But then you said that you went to, like, where they have the... The Il Sun, what are they? The Jong Ils. I don't even. Uh, the Kims. The Kims. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. The Kims on display. Their dead bodies, and then 
Oh, is oh, that um, right? We went to uh, so the mausoleum. The I forget what it's called. The something about the sun. It's like the I forget what the name of that mausoleum is, but it was at the war museum. Uh, it was like the basically their huge war museum, talking about the Korean War and imperialists trying to defeat North Korea, and they talk about how you know bad communi- or capitalism is and how uh, they went on to defeat the imperialists and then. You know, we exited and basically we walked into a gift shop in which I purchased Coke at the, at this gift shop. I'm like, well, I guess capitalism does win. But um, it was a bit outrageous. You know, they, they preach all these things. But it's a very contradictory society. Like, everything you see is, like, very contradictory. Like, they're like, oh, we have to sacrifice for this. But then, you know, they don't sacrifice in other areas. It's, it's a It's an experience, I think unto itself there's nothing I think that replicates it besides going there and seeing it okay yeah sir that was kind of a sidebar I was just like thinking out loud about how I even knew but like you said with the contradictory environment or the government how it works I know that there's a a famous Spanish man that lives there that's like super for that's that's the guy I was talking about the Spanish guy that got in contact with my friend Jimmy oh that was oh wow okay this is getting this is getting juicy. I should have like made some kind of outline instead of like jumping around, but oh well. Here we are. What well, we're going to jump around, and then if this is, you know, gets a lot of traction, you know what? We're going to go back and record it with a solid outline. <laughs> it, it's going to make us famous, I can tell. <laughs> but yeah, he, what I was, what the reason I'm bringing him up is because I remember watching this movie called The Propaganda Game on North, or not on North, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how he loved it there because he loves communism. Like, he loves that no one there's going to be going starving, well, in his mind. But I know that, like, most of the people are living in poverty. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I just think that's an interesting point that you brought up, that it's contradictory, like, to what they make you believe is going on. Absolutely. It is so intensely contradictory and deep, and, like, everything you see is just a complete sham. But it's all theater, you know? Like, it... And so, North Koreans don't believe in communism anymore. I don't know if you know that. Like, so they made a switch to they call it Juche, which is the the Juche ideal. It's basically their own version of a better version of communism. So it's like education, industry, and like farming. So communism. That, that one statue, yeah. the famous statue that has like the symbols. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So in like communism, obviously the hammer and sickle is like industry and you know agriculture. That's like two tenets of communism belief is like. You know, you have the industry and the farmers basically growing a society together. But the North Koreans added education because there's belief that they changed uh, their belief in communism because they started to see communist regimes fall. And so that they couldn't have themselves associated with communism because that was failing all over the world, like in Russia and whatnot. And so they changed to their own belief system, Juche. But it's it's pretty much communism. Yeah, it's like... Uh, communism with the power at the top instead of being decided by like a body you know one leadership group deciding it's basically a dictator or a god-like figure that leads a country he's like their father so um, there are different elements to it that spanish guy's name is alejandro keo de benos i just wanted to put that up because i've just been referring to him as the random but, um, yeah, he, he's in charge of the Korean Friendship Association. There you go. That's what it's called, yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's interesting. I looked up your friend that was going to take you there and saw his picture with uh, Dennis Quaid. Oh, so yeah. I can tell he's leading a glamorous life. <laughs> uh, there's a... Uh... Yeah, he's uh, he's very close with like a lot of musicians and actors and stuff like that. There's pictures of him with like Coldplay all over the place and Imagine Dragons for all the big Imagine Dragon fans out there. What other? He's really close with Muse. He knows like Justin Bieber and stuff like that. He knows Justin Bieber's uh, drug dealer like fairly well. Anyway, just random things. Just everyone that you need, you want to know. Yeah, all, the guy with all the connects. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, did you ever have to go to the... I'm I'm just going off of everything I've watched online. Like, to those huge statues of the, the ex-leaders and, like, do the little show where you... <laughs> where you bow and yeah. present flowers. So that's basically your... Uh, for me, that was the second stop on the trip, right? So we got to North Korea the first day, and then we went to the Cemetery of the Martyrs, which is the first stop. It's like this giant cemetery with all the quote-unquote martyrs that have been elevated to martyr status from the Korean War. and uh, Or Cemetery of the Heroes. I can't remember what the name is, but there's just this giant statue of a bayonet, like this huge gun and bayonet statue. Um, it's one of the more recent monuments that's been completed in North Korea. But... We go there, and you show your respect. You walk around. You get a little spiel from your tour guides. And then uh, you go to the hotel and check in. But the next morning, the first thing you do is you go to the big monument with the two leaders. And they're like, they give you, like, the whole spiel. Like, you have to have this amount of respect. You have to be able to do this. You have to, like, give a little bow. So it's very, you know, it's very strict about what how you're supposed to act. And they're very restrictive on the type of pictures you can take you can only take pictures in which you get the whole body you can't just get like the head or like you know just the feet or anything like that so they're like please you know make sure you take pictures of only the full get you have to get everything or nothing you know you can't get one or the other so there's like very you know interesting restrictions and they're sort of watching you take pictures and every single married couple in Pyongyang that uh is getting married they have to go and show their respects to these statues as well like when they when they get married mm-hmm. together. Oh. So like if I for instance I'm going to show a picture one second. So like I have a photo of them in North Korea with the like married couple, and they have to come and show their respects prior to doing anything. Um, it's pretty pretty outrageous, you know honestly. The wait the couple comes to North Korea they have to show their respect to the statue before they do anything else well when they get married i don't know if it's pre pre pre-wedding or post-wedding so like here you know they have to come Mm -hmm. take pictures with the statues oh okay wow so yeah every single picture or every single time they get married and they made us take pictures with the married couple too so but someone took a video (laughs) because they don't know how to use iphones so classic well, I'm glad you have that. So basically what I'm wondering is do they make it clear to you that you can't post or like put anything out there that it's not like that it's not the best because I know that that's a lot of people who go there like famous YouTubers or something put together stuff and it has to be at the angle that it's happy in a good place. Yeah, I mean like look, they I think they do a pretty good job of controlling what's said about it. And in reality, look, I like I'm not going to lie, I had a great time there and I enjoyed my time there you know and do I think that there were things that I wasn't shown absolutely but did I see things that I wasn't supposed to be seen 
yes, but for the most part, like I said, it's theater. So they show you what they want to show you. And I mean, it, it's from anything like <laughs> anything from like us going back at night to the hotel. Like we're staying in this huge hotel on the island. You know, I forget what the name of the hotel is, but it's Yangakdo is the island. And we're literally on this hotel, and there's only two floors in which our group is staying on of the hotel that have lights on. That's it. Like, everywhere else, there's no electricity lighting up a hotel. You never see any other lights. So it's, like, very strange in that way. They're like, oh, this whole hotel is completely filled, but in reality, there's only, like, two floors that have electricity on, the floors that you're staying on. And it's, like, at night, you can look out from the window, and it's dark out, and there's maybe, like, a singular bulb in some houses that's on, you know, at night. But you look across and you see all the statues and the monuments and they're completely lit up. You can see them from miles around. Like, how much electricity is that costing to light those up? But, you know, you can't provide electricity for the people who need it more. Or, you know, maybe they can't afford it because of the cost, but regardless. So no one there can wear jeans, right? Is that a thing or is that... Did you wear jeans? This is the huge, huge question. (laughs) Here we go. We're hitting the hard-hitting questions now. Yes, I wore jeans, and it's it wasn't an issue. But he, I couldn't wear jeans when I went and saw the the Mausoleum. leaders lying in state. Yeah, but yeah, jeans are fine, and I saw North Koreans wearing jeans as well. But those North Koreans were the west, like the wealthy, absolute must have been the elites, because not only were they wearing jeans, they were wearing like Chinese or South Korean styles, different haircuts, different coats, different clothing in general. And they were paying for things in U.S. dollars. Oh, okay. I did not anticipate that. <laughs> so it's like you can get around the rules kind of if you're rich. Right. And Coke. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, not that that's not true with like any country. Yeah. Is, I mean, anywhere in the world. I mean, if you have money, your life is a lot different than people that don't have money. In North Korea, I think it's very apparent because you have certain hairstyles that you can have. You have certain clothing. They're like, these are your options for coats. A, B, or C. You know, you choose. And everyone has the same. So when you're walking normally, everyone's wearing the same clothing style, the same colors. Everyone looks so similar. And then you see people who are not, and you're like, oh, it's because they're rich and they can do whatever they want. Well, if a poor person were to somehow get their hands on some sweet denim, how would they, like enforce that like what would what would be the do you know what the consequences would be i don't know and and to be frank the only places where they're probably able to get denim as a poor person would be the towns that are like right on the chinese border so further up north where there's a little bit more back and forth across the border which happens and you can bribe guards supposedly to get you across or let you get things in um but i don't know if people would want to bring attention to themselves like by having Den- yeah it's yeah, not jeans. worth it it's like what you're you know at the end of the day do you want to end up in like a labor camp potentially over something like wearing jeans or having just something that people can see i mean they all the time apparently they're watching like south korean dramas or like chinese dramas with south korean subtitle or korean subtitles and that's a little bit more private because you, you have your phone or you have a tablet or, yeah yeah away from um, people. yeah but away from prying eyes and that's apparently a crime too, but uh, this controls it. Hey, peanut gallery, stop coughing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, so was the whole thing kind of eerie that it was since you? It's kind of like I don't know, just that it's an appearance of happiness and a big show, or 
it, it sounds kind of creepy to me to be like you're the only ones you're on the floor and you're the only ones with lights and everyone else is like pressed <laughs> see uh, like like I've said you know and I, I think this is true like so when you get to North Korea you, you have you, like our we had a tour guide from the UK he went with us so he was and he's been there like a hundred times so he's very familiar with everything and he's comfortable with the government and like the people that are assigned to be our tour guides so he has a lot more I think leeway than most foreigners um, but that being said they assign two tour guides to your group and they assign a cameraman and a bus driver so basically four North Koreans assigned with your little group and there were I think six of us in our group uh, six or eight of us I can't remember exactly and uh, they I think see the disparity or like the contradictory nature of what they're told and what they see because they're told a lot like oh America is failing you know capitalism is failing look at all the homeless people look at all the you know crime blah 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 and generally speaking North Korea is like very safe because you know you don't want to commit a crime and you end up in a much worse situation than prison you know in the US or something so yeah it's a safe place and you know so they harp on all these things like rising crime rates inner cities failing blah 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 hunger but at the same time like we show up to North Korea like as foreigners and especially as Americans I'm like pull out my iPhone oh here's like a $800 $1,000 piece of equipment I just you know I call people on a camera it's a couple thousand dollars my sunglasses are a couple hundred dollars close you know they look at that and it's like they make uh, maybe a hundred, two hundred dollars a month, maybe more. I I don't know. You know, I don't know what the average salary is there for like a tour guide, but n- definitely not as much as I make. Like you know, in a in, in a, a day, in a day or you know you less should, than that. You should have walked up to one of them and been like, "What's your salary?" And they'd <laughs> they'd say, and you'd be like, "I make that in an hour." Well, if I was looking to go to prison, that's probably the way I would do it. <laughs> Well, okay, you shouldn't do that because you're not a mean person. I just think it would be kind of funny. I, I, I like the idea <laughs> of it, but I don't know if I like the practical nature of it. Okay, it's really mean. I just, I don't know. I just think it's funny when people, like, talk crap and they're they're like, I make that much money in an hour. Like, it's about, like, yeah, anyone. Like, it's just like uh, Arrested their... Development where he's like, you think the guy in the $4,000 suit, you know, like, where he's just outrageous. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that type of behavior. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that a North Korean... I don't know if they know what to do with it. Anyway, it's just I'm just spitballing good ideas on how to make friends internationally. Yeah, this is solid information. So make a checklist and ask how much people, when you go to a poor country, how much they make, and then just insult them by telling them that you make that in one hour or, you know, (laughs) one minute or however much. And then, yeah, just throw, like, a crumpled dollar bill at them. I like that. That's like, go buy yourself something and just throw a dollar bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, like... Just throw some money at them and say, I own your house now. <laughs> Wait, does the government own the house? Or how does that even work? I don't know how all of the... Uh, I think government does own the homes. I don't think there's private ownership. So I know that government like allows people to live in certain homes. But I don't know how all of the paying the bills or you know the electricity bills work. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. But yeah, I think it's hard to reconcile what these tour guides see with what the actuality of like daily life is because what they're told we had two tour guides and they're basically as different as they could be like one was a male and one was a female and the male was like very salt of the earth like he worked hard to learn english and become a tour guide and 
he loves his country and he realizes that there's shortcomings, but it's because of, you know, imperialism that's not allowed them to flourish as much as they need to. But he is like so grateful. And this were how we got on this topic was like, he, how happy are they? Are they like depressed or, you know, what type of sadness exists? And he's genuinely like happy and so pleased in my opinion of like what he had available to him. Like he was so happy with what he had and he was so grateful to be alive and like work and make a living for him and his family. Now, on the other hand, we had this other female and she was younger and she had like a more new hairstyle, like short hair, which was very new. And that was one of the first, she was one of the first people supposedly that had that hairstyle in uh, North Korea because it was barely approved. Anyway, so she comes from a wealthier family, so she spoke English very well, and her father had been to the United States. He was a general in North Korea, and so he'd been to the UN and seen New York and I think had a much, I don't know what I'd say, like a much wider worldview. And she grew up with money and privileged, I believe, and so uh, her working as a tour guide was very, like, just normal. It wasn't like anything she aspired to. It's just she spoke English and it was an easy job for her to get, and so it was slated in perfect. That being said, she, when quizzed about North Korea a little bit, and you, you prod because you want to get information out of these people because it's interesting, she was a little bit critical of some of the regime choices, which I found pretty interesting, like, you know, that she was that candid. Yeah, because yeah. we were there during Chinese New Year, and that's like a big celebration in all the Asian world because they follow a lunar calendar. So it's like the Lunar New Year. And so we went out and we saw this huge fireworks display. There were probably a million people in Pyongyang that came out, and we were just there with all of them watching this fireworks display. And I said, I was standing next to her, I said, oh, wow, this is really impressive. And she's like, yeah, they're wasting all this money instead of feeding more people. And I was like, am I supposed to hear that? Like, don't tell me that. I don't want to, like, be party to that, because I know, you know, criticism of the regime is not well received, so... Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Sorry. I don't have. I didn't have any questions prepared. That's why I keep asking you stuff that you probably wouldn't know, like the average salary or whatever. No, 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 no. This is uh, great, though. I mean, it's just a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's candid. Okay. What was? It? How many days were you there? Five or six. I, I. I don't. I'm not entirely clear. Five or six. I can't remember exactly. W- would you say like what you did was like a standard? tour kind of thing like that's no could anyone go there and be there for weeks like a, yeah. and fi- keep finding stuff to do that they'll let you even do yeah I mean they've gotten so as Americans I think we have the least had the least amount of access out of any country basically in the world because there's an innate fear of us being spies or some sort of I don't know bad influence but in Pyongyang I mean we went to Pyongyang and Kaesong Kaesong is like right on the border between North Korea and South Korea and Kaesong was in the possession of South Korean uh, South Korea and like the United Nations for the entirety of the war when they called a ceasefire and drew the DMZ uh, they Kaesong was above the DMZ line so uh, it was given back to the North Koreans so it was a town that was basically preserved whereas the majority of North Korea was completely destroyed after the Korean War uh, so we go there and you stay there and then you go see the DMZ from the north side yeah there's a lot of there's a lot yeah. of things to do you can literally go skiing if you want there's like a ski resort that they just built uh you can take a train ride through like the entire country one thing i was trying to do this year before they blocked access for americans again trump revoked uh, americans being able to go there was go to pekdusan which is a mountain on the chinese north korean border and it's the tallest mountain in korea like the korean peninsula 
and it has a crater lake on the top of it. And it's like incredibly beautiful and it's hard to get to. And according to legend, AKA the fake lore that's been spread by the propaganda from North Korea, it's where Kim Jong-il was. Oh, I've heard of that. Okay, and they go have to go visit it. I, I don't know what the significance is now, but it's like considered where like the birth of North Korea, or Korea was came from was like this mountain crater lake thing. It's, I mean, it's incredibly beautiful, and I think it's one of the tallest like crater lakes in the world. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, if you can't tell what I my image. Obviously, since I haven't been there, was like way more restricted than what you're saying because I, I was just wondering if there was like a standard thing that you could do but yeah I mean like they, they take you from place to place to place but as Americans especially you're like guided from place to place to place what you'll see is basically you'll go someplace and they'll have everything set up for you and like you know like they're expecting company and then when you leave they're like shutting everything down some of these places you're being taken to specifically for tours and for the show I wonder how long like the wait is sometimes between other tours but other places we went to it's like we went and ate and it was a functioning restaurant people came in and they were eating there too so it was you got a mix right and I think if you're there on an official tour that has like a what a route planned you're more stuck in that but you can like book like a private tour through some special companies in which you're like I want to see this I want to do this and they they'll let you do basically what you want to out of a standard stand, like a list basically they give you a list of everything that you're allowed to do and you can just choose something that i i watched a youtube video that this guy he was in north korea and he was talking about how when he was there the wet all the westerners that were there were actually like the north koreans were fine they were nice and that the westerners were actually kind of rude to him did to, you have any kind of experience like that? Just like they would get mad, like if you had like a, I don't know if you used a GoPro or what he used to film, but they would like be offended that he was filming. The Westerners were yeah. upset that they, he was filming them. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I didn't run into any other Westerners except for the people that were there on our group, so I don't have a lot of experience there. But I did ask some North Koreans if I could take their photo, and they did not like. They didn't want me to take their photo, and they didn't want to be recorded. So. You know, every every single North Korean I ran into was nice. You know, I didn't have any issues, but foreigners are a different matter. Like, I, I think it's definitely in just where you are. And I know they have a university in which a lot of foreigners teach at. Uh, so maybe people don't want to be recorded and, like, be associated. Like, oh, they went to North Korea to teach. There may be some stigma with that. Yeah, I mean, it was like a 20-year-old, so maybe he was basing it off of some people being rude to him one time. And he's like, the Westerners just got me, you know. <laughs> Right, right, but right. But I, I just didn't know if that was, I don't know, I guess that's kind of a ridiculous generalization, but I was just wondering if that was, like, maybe maybe the North Koreans were so nice that the Westerners looked rude in comparison. <laughs> I don't know. But when you heard about Otto Warmbier, I don't even know how you say that. Warmbier? Warmbier. Yeah, what did you think? Like, did you have any, were you like, <gasps> that could have been me or anything like that? Or No, I mean, <laughs> people that get arrested or like detained in North Korea from tours did something exceptionally wrong. There's actually a surprising amount of leeway for what you do and how you behave because they're understanding. But if you go to any country and you break the law, I mean, you have to suffer the consequences of that country, right? That's sort of my viewpoint of it. I'm not going to go to a country and break the law, even if it's stupid, like even if I don't agree with the law, right? I'm not going to go there and knowingly break the law and then expect to be, like, let to go home, you know. It, it just doesn't happen that way, especially in a uh, regime such as North Korea where 
you know very clearly what the rules are and how you're supposed to behave and the expectations that are set out for you. And if you can't follow those, then you, one, shouldn't go to North Korea, and two, you probably have other issues that you need to resolve. So the fact that Otto Warmbier, one, was trespassing on a floor he wasn't supposed to go to, okay, they probably will excuse that a little bit. But then he's stealing specific propaganda artwork that was part of the hotel. That's probably also not a good thing. And then from what I hear was being belligerent and like very intoxicated. And so those are things that aren't, you put them all together and it's obviously going to be a compounding issue in which it's just not a good situation. And so do I feel like he should have been imprisoned and basically tortured like or injured to the point of him not recovering from his coma? Absolutely not. I think that's completely inappropriate. But I mean, look at Singapore. Singapore, drugs are illegal there. You know, if you have drugs, that's the death penalty. You know, you make conscious choices. People go to Singapore, they're like, oh, that's outrageous, you know. But that's their law. Don't go to Singapore if you don't, if you can't follow that law. Don't go to North Korea if you can't follow basic instructions. That's what it is. And so people that get detained, they are doing something willfully trying to knowingly breaking the law. Okay, that's an interesting perspective because I feel like most of the time when you hear stuff about it, it sounds... Well, obviously we have like a whole episode on this on this beloved podcast and it's painted in a way that it's kind of like he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He, like if you go there as an American, they could just detain you for any reason. And I mean from your perspective it obviously seems like it's you have to do something really you have to knowingly break the law. I think that's the distinction that people don't make cuz they don't know. You hear about North Korea like, "Oh, they've detained Americans." Like, you know, and they're not releasing him. But how many people have we detained in the U.S. for breaking the law? A lot. But you don't hear about that here. You know, you only hear about that if you're from that country. And obviously, I don't agree with detaining someone over trespassing and stealing something. But those are, like, the consequences. I, I don't agree with a lot of things. But I, you sort of have to abide by country's laws regardless. So you've had people that have been arrested for leaving Bibles. You know, like, they have a law against proselyting. You know, and like having open religious like trying to convert people and so doing that I mean you're knowingly breaking the law so it's like even though I believe wholeheartedly in freedom of religion I'm not going to go to a country in which that's illegal and try to proselyte you know like yeah try and change it <laughs> you, not... you, that's not the way you change it you know you don't go there as like a solo mission to like save the souls of a nation by breaking the law and getting yourself put in prison. Oh, you never finished that you were singing the national anthem? Oh, Because okay. <laughs> you were a superstar? No, 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 no. Hardly that. So, like I said, we were there for the Lunar New Year. And uh, we were in the town of Kaesong, actually, when it, like, happened. So we were in a small group. I, I can't remember. Eight people, something like that. And they had entertainers come in. We had dinner, and the mayor of the city came in, and one of, the, like, the leaders of the Juche Party from the city, like the top leader came in. And so there were a lot of people that came into the, this room with us because we we're like honored guests and staying at the nice hotel in Kaesong, which it felt like it was somewhere from like 1950s Moscow. Like it was really, it was crazy. So we went in this room and everyone's like getting really, really drunk. And in North Korea, they don't have any rules about smoking cigarettes. So they're just smoking everywhere. And so then the girls come in and they're singing. They're in like the traditional... Uh, dresses, the hanbok is what it's called. They're singing uh, North Korean songs, and then everyone's starting to get really intoxicated. They're like, "All right, everyone has to sing," and that's sort of like Koreans love singing. Like they absolutely love singing. 
so everyone's singing and it starts to get a little bit rowdy and people are like oh you know you have to sing a song and we were with a Swiss guy and some Austrians and the Austrians are like alright we'll sing uh, the like an Austrian song and so they sang one and they're like okay okay uh, let's have everyone sing a song together and so we sang like Hey Jude by the Beatles and even the North Koreans knew it which was I found surprising and they were singing along and then they were requesting Elvis songs and so we were singing Elvis songs and then other people started singing songs from their own countries because there were Spanish people there like I said Swiss, Austrian uh, there was a Canadian there and then our group leader, his name was Simon he, uh, he was like alright let's, uh, let's have the two Americans sing the national anthem and I'm like what? why? there was a little bit of a uneasiness I think with the North Koreans and then they're like it's a revolutionary song. That's what he kept saying because he's British. He's like, it's a revolutionary song. They like fighting against the British, you know, trying to get independence, fighting against imperialists, blah, blah, blah. And so like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they made us sing it in front of all of the leaders in this town and all of like the party leaders. And they all stood up and they put their hand over their heart. Like with a, it was very, it was very weird, but it was surreal. Did you feel really patriotic? Uh, I don't know if I felt patriotic. I was just like nervous while it was happening. But the fact that there were other people filming it from our group, that I was like, okay, they can show that it was like, it it wasn't just me trying to like be a patriot, like God bless America and nowhere else. You know, like I, you know, it's just sort of one of those situations. I was, I don't know why I was anticipating you would sing it for like a group of people, just like they were shorter performers. And you had to come in and save save the show. I don't know. No, I don't yeah. really know what would happen. <laughs> I don't know what I thought the circumstances would be. But Yeah, they were just like, they were trying to get me to sing the national anthem. And so I sang it myself and the guy went with Derek. And um, all of the North Koreans like stood up with their hand over their heart. I was like, this is so weird. And like, I was very uncomfortable because I, I am not, I don't want to be, put myself in any situation which it can be construed as being, disrespectful or something where I could be detained for it. So once I had the approval of basically the the leader of the group plus all the North Koreans that were there, I was like, okay, this is okay. What's that kid's name that went and just like to specifically get detained? I don't remember his name. I know who you're talking about, though. I just feel like you probably have a lot of hot takes handy. I, yeah. I mean, people that go there with the intention of just doing something stupid to detained I mean obviously they have issues I mean I don't think anyone in their right mind like I think North Korea would let would let you come in willingly you know what I mean if you wanted to like if you're like renounced your American citizenship and oh it was Matthew Miller so like the most basic Matt Miller yeah basic white dude name yes he got detained for acting hostile to the DPRK while entering under the guise of a tourist he had traveled to North Korea to, intending to get arrested. Jeez. I mean, I guess that's... I shouldn't talk too much about him because how dark does your life have to be to... <laughs> you want to travel to North Korea to get detained and go to a labor camp? Yeah. I, I don't know. There's weird people everywhere, right? People have their own agendas, and so... Maybe he wanted to write a book about it. There you go. I think no one would want to buy that book from a perceived moron. But honestly, everything about North Korea is just bizarre, right? It's just strange... And the people there are so kind and inviting, and everyone I met I actually liked, you know. And you can't control situations that are outside of your control, right? And so 
as much as you know, people have issues with the human rights abuses in North Korea, the, everyone I met was a nice, genuine person, and I only had respect, and they had good conversations with me. And I think one misconception is that they hate all Americans, which isn't true. They just hate the American government or the imperialistic nature of the American government, which they blame for the separation of North and South Korea. But uh, everyone I met was nice. There's still no understanding of like how to actually run a business there, which I think is funny. Like Every morning we'd go down and I'd buy water bottles from the hotel for the day before our trips. And I'd be like, uh, I want like four water bottles. And they're like, oh, that's one uh, dollar. Great. Here's a dollar. And then next morning I'd be like, I want eight water bottles. They're like, uh, that's one dollar. I'm like, okay. You know, which is outrageous. And also you pay in euro, dollar, or renminbi, which is Chinese yuan. And so that's the currency that foreigners use. You just use your own currency there. I guess you could get a lot of good stuff there for if, you, if they don't know how to price anything. But go, going back to what you said about how they blame Americans for the separation of the Koreas, isn't they believe that the U.S. started the Korean War, like that when it was like North Korea attacked South Korea? Is that right? Yeah, so according to Western history is North Korea attacked South Korea. According to South or North Korean history, it was the opposite way around. Now, so a little history on that. So post-World War Two, they divided because Korea was formerly occupied by Japan. And so when Japan surrendered, they surrendered their territories to whoever. But uh, what happened was Russia r- rushed in uh, and China, China rushed in to fill the gap from for like North Korea and they had like their own leader, Kim Il-sung, the original Kim, to and they, they put propped him up as being like the leader. And then North and South Korea was like, okay, the UN forces were like, okay, we're gonna still like install a like a capitalist government. And uh, anyway, both the Russians slash Chinese and the Americans slash UN agreed to have free elections. Like so, everyone agreed there's gonna be elections. We're gonna and we'll respect the outcome of that. And then whoever wins will be able to lead the country as a whole. They didn't want to have a divided country. That being said, Kim Il-sung announced that he was going to do land redistribution from the wealthy to the poor. So basically anytime a candidate announces that there's going to be land redistribution in which people are going to get land for nothing, they're going to win an election by a landslide. So in response to the land redistribution promise, the United Nations slash South Koreans canceled the elections and you know said, oh, they're not fair, so we canceled them. And basically that's where the deadlock started. You know, now you have the South Koreans holding their own elections and the North Koreans holding their own elections. Now you have two leaders propped up by two major forces fighting a war like the Cold War on a battlefield in Korea. That's like basically what it was. It was a proxy war. Well, I'm glad I asked. So I haven't even like looked anything up recently, which I should have, but no, I was like, was... he'll know it all. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, thank you. Is is there any other stories you want to put out there? Any other stories, man. I'm trying to think, trying to recall. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things, but one thing that is uh, consistent with North Korea is that they have to try to outdo everything by like a small margin. So it's like they have the deepest subway system in the world by like a few feet deeper than Moscow. And like they have the tallest stone structure in the world, taller than the Washington Monument by a few feet or a few meters uh they have a taller arc of triumph like 
than the one in Paris by a few meters. Like everything they do is just small incremental because they want to have that like notoriety and those awards. One of the most interesting things I think about North Korea was one of our tour guides, that woman, she had a like a an iPad, but it was like their own version. I, I don't remember the name brand of it. I think it was like Aryan, which is like the standard like Korean folklore type thing. But she had this tablet and she would look up information on it. I'd be like, oh, uh, when did North Korea like go to the moon? And she'd like look it up and she'd like be like, oh, this date. I'm like, that's not... Like, Was it like 1968? Or, like, I mean, like literally it's just like, oh yeah, North Korea landed on the moon here and like just completely false information and because they have an internet. So she had access to like their own Wikipedia basically internally and so we'd ask information and she'd give me like wrong stuff and so that was like a game basically for us so we'd just quiz her about things and be like oh um when was the first time that North Korea like built this they're like oh yeah then I'm like you know like <laughs> it's anyway it's, it's really interesting so they have access to all these modern things but it's all so compartmentalized so even though they have access to the internet it's just Not all real. wrong information. It's an internet, which is so crazy. I literally could go on and on and on about just nonsense because there's so many small things that occur that are like, I don't even think about now, but through our daily life, I'd be like looking at my phone or something like that and it will remind me of something that happens in North Korea. It's just, it's such, I don't think there's another place on earth in which you can go back in time like North Korea, where it's completely stepping back into a new it, it's like a literally like some sort of time warp like you literally step back in time it's crazy or it could be stepping into the future uh, <laughs> it's like a dystopian yeah. young adult novel or yeah, something absolutely, like absolutely. the year 2021 maybe but yeah it's the year 2021 dystopian yeah. <laughs> I, I could go on forever because I look up stuff about it like a internet loser <laughs> all the time <laughs> But yeah, I just think it's interesting. Basically, what I've gotten out of this is North Korea is like one of those people that has like delusional confidence and like makes up their own reality. Yeah. So, in in a nutshell. Yeah, that's great. Would you recommend going? They ever if it were it? possible, yeah. I I think that with every passing month, North Korea is like trying to modernize at like a rapid pace, all within the control of Kim Jong Un. You know. But I think the sooner the better. Otherwise, you'll lose that opportunity of seeing sort of this insulated culture. And I think it's one of the last countries in the world which is, quote-unquote, modern, but still so close to the outside world. So I'd recommend it. I mean, it's an experience. As long as you can handle following instructions and not becoming too intoxicated to function, you'll have a good time. You can do those things, I think. Thank you for talking to me. I know this is not a true crime or a cold case. But yeah, thank you oh, for David listening. Seven. Oh, it is a cold case. We did get it. Yeah, oh we got the gosh. one in there. Yeah. The loophole. But anyway, yeah, thank you for talking to me and thank you for listening. And have a blessed day.